This is Season 2, Episode 13 of the world's biggest, most important truck enthusiast podcast ever in the history of the universe. Holman, what's up? How you doing? I am uh, doing great because I got this box. Okay. People like sending us stuff. It's, it's like it's like Christmas all the time. So for my birthday, my wife was in Hawaii with her mom. And so I didn't really get like a family birthday thing. And uh, we still, we've both been busy and she traveled and I've been traveling. So I still haven't had like my family birthday dinner. Except her mom came over this past Sunday and made me Mexican fried tacos. So that was that was strong, solid. yeah. But but I feel like it just it was weird. It was it wasn't really a milestone birthday, but I didn't. It, it just wasn't special. And I will say that that Mark Hahn from OVR took uh, pity on me and uh, came and brought dessert for me and the girls. And uh, we had a little dessert fest, so that was pretty good. But every time a box comes, I think it's a birthday present, and, and it's not. It's not. No. <laughs> What's in this beat-up cardboard box? Uh, this one came from Eagle, Colorado, and I was going, like, what is this? So, our man, Ken Hovey. Oh, Check out the Yeti goods. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. A couple tumblers. Ken Hovey from the previous episode with uh, Flated. Flated. Yeah, he said he was, he was promising us some, uh, some Yeti stuff. Dude, he was not joking about Yeti. And check this out, a handwritten note. Gentlemen, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome at what we do, and we're so grateful to have had the chance to be on your show. Sincerely, Ken. Well, he screwed up. One, hand, we are awesome, but we're not good at what we do. Handwritten note, dude. A handwritten note, and I like this Rambler, this shorty Rambler. So I'm, I'm going to take that one over here. Uh, here's a. This is a nice uh, full twenty ounce tumbler. Mm-hmm. So you oh, you're going to give me this one? No, okay. Have, then you have that one. I'll take this one. Got a couple of uh, Yeti shirts, which is cool. All right. So, dude, Ken. Very Thanks, nice brother. of you. Thank you. Yeah, super awesome. We really appreciate uh, when we're appreciated. Did he give us XLs or double XLs? Uh, he gave us XLs. Perfect. Which is which what we one? asked for. I'm going to go for the, uh, which color do you want? You uh, want the olive gray? I want or the, the olive one. You want the olive? Yeah, right, matches take, my uh, Apple Watch Ultra Band. I'll take the gray and camo. All right. All that's, right. That's super cool. Well, so we have that to celebrate. And from what I understand, this right here. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. This, is, the, this is something. Wait, wait. Don't uh-huh, say it. Okay. This is something against my face. We'll see how it that sounds, sounds like. sounds super gross. Oh, uh, does it sound like it Sounds paper? super gross. Let me hold on. On my beard. Hold on. Why are you doing that? This is the cover of the new OVR that's got some crazy texture on it. That's true. So uh, OVR Magazine, uh, second issue, just hit the newsstands at uh, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. And we nearly sold out. Uh, at a lot of the Barnes and Nobles on our first run, on our first issue. So There's only like four Barnes and Nobles. Thank though. you, everybody who has uh, supported 400 and something Barnes and Nobles. Thank you, everybody who's uh, supported the launch of OVR Mag. You head to ovrmag.com, check it out. You can subscribe. Uh, I'm working on something that might be a little bit of a special truck show podcast listener benefit if uh, you want to subscribe. So okay. working on that, hopefully have a, an announcement uh, here in the next uh, few weeks on now, something. Now, hold on a second. I'm opening up the very first page mm-hmm. of OVR, yeah. Outdoor Vehicle Recreation, yeah. with this beautiful cover. Yep. And inside, there's a two-page spread for our guest. Oh, it's uh, Leitner Designs. I guess we're having our uh, good friend Bernard Leitner on the, uh, the episode 13. The designer and manufacturer of some incredibly well-engineered uh, bed racks. Wow. Mm-hmm. Kudos. No, it's, did you actually have something to do with this? The magazine? I've got like three stories in that thing. Do you really? Which yes. ones? What did you write about Just in this one? Look through there. Well, I'm looking for... It doesn't have the bylines on the stories. Well, sorry. 
Well, okay. I, I This is my way of getting you to flip through the pages. Can I keep this one? Yes. Okay. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. You can yeah, also we, advertise in it, too. Because, we do uh, need to give um, our, our listeners a, a discount code for subscriptions. I, we're, I'm working on that, and uh, I think uh, Banks Power should have uh, some products in there. I think it would be a, a good fit for the truck Definitely market. Definitely do need Pedal Monster uh, in Pedal there for Monster, sure. Pedal Monster, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, because there's a Tacoma right on the cover. There's a there's a really really affordable uh, rate on that right now. Is it really? We should take advantage of. There is. This is a little maybe uh, a little insider baseball. Inside All right. Baseball. Well, then let's talk about our advertisers. <laughs> so we got to thank our friends over at Nissan. So uh, Nissan, yeah, been with hold us for on. You're five talking years. about Nissan. I you am see this folder Nissan. I got here? Yep. This Manila folder. It, uh-huh. Look what is inside. I'm going to show you. Okay. Page one. Okay. Page two. Uh huh. Hold on. Page three, four, mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. There's pages. nine pages of, what are these? Frontier Spotting. Frontier Spotting names and addresses. You guys are on freaking fire. Yeah. We've never done a promotion like this. This is bonkers. I, it was just kind of a goof idea, but you guys yeah. have really responded. we finding them everywhere. Oh, my God. I don't know if you listened to the last couple episodes, but we want you guys to take a photo mm-hmm. out of the window of your truck at a frontier that and you send spot. It, frontier in the wild. Frontier in the wild. And then you, you send can, to us. You could tag us also at hashtag frontier spotting. You can put it on our, our social and tag at Truck Show Podcast. You guys have really, really rallied. It's incredible. You uh, you spotted Frontiers. Then you went to truckshowpodcast at gmail.com and you emailed us those photos. And I, Lightning, responded to you with freaking Truck Show Podcast stickers. I've never sent out so much Truck Show Podcast merchandise ever in the history of man. Because is it really merchandise? No. Yeah. It's stickers. It's stickers. <laughs> yeah, it's stickers. All right. Uh, I got some exciting news. Speaking of Nissan, uh, they have renewed with us for another year. <gasps> so uh, we're starting our, uh, geez, this is our sixth year with Nissan supporting the Truck Show Podcast. So guys, in oh, honor wait, of that. Wait, wait, wait. Give me, give me some high five. All right. High five. All so right. in honor of that, I uh, I hope every one of our listeners goes out and buys a brand new Nissan Frontier, a Nissan Titan, or Nissan Titan XD. By the way, the Titans have the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Nissan has been so great to the Truck Show podcast, so awesome for our show. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm stoked to be able to say that our partnership is uh, going on for another year. So you'll be hearing us talk a lot more about uh, Nissan, but we also have some other things that we want to do. I'm kind of working on. We're not ready to announce it yet, but I think there'll be some uh, some cool stuff. Uh, embargoed. Sure, it's embargoed. So in the meantime, if you're looking for a new truck, head on over to NissanUSA.com where you can build and price, or head on down to your local Nissan dealership where you too can pick out the right Nissan truck for you. And you guys have heard us talk about the Banks Ram Air rear differential cover before. It keeps your rear diff five times cooler than any other rear differential cover on the market, including stock. They're available for Ram 2500s, GM 2500s, Ford F-250s, 350s, and coming soon for the Dana 80 rear axle. Wait, what do you mean? Dana 80? Yes. New application coming? Yes. Okay, so if I'm interested in Dana 80... Where do I go to get on that list? Go to bankspower.com, type in your year, make, and model, and you will see the Dana 80 right there. You put your email address and be notified when it's available. How long am I waiting? Summertime. No, it's not too long. That's not too long. It's already April. It's coming. All right. Uh, and I have one more big announcement for you. I, I don't think I've uh, <clears throat> told you this either. Okay. Hold on one second. And that big announcement is... Truck Famous LLC has another sponsor of the Truck Show Podcast. Oh, really? Hold on a second. Can I guess? Sure. Hmm, Hold on a second. Who have you been working on? 
Uh, I've been working on about 50 companies. I know, and I know. Our friend- I'm, I'm just going to whiff. I'm going to whiff because mm-hmm. I know one of your favorite companies is Bill Stein? All right, it is Bill Stein. Really? So uh, not... Bill Stein. It's Bill Stein like Beer Stein, so that's how you can remember it. And by the way, when your friends say Bill Stein, correct them. Uh, or like put, smack them. Yeah, right in the face. Boosh. Right in the face. Uh, Bill Stein, moron. I have this awesome Bill Stein shirt that has it phonetically like done like it in a uh, dictionary, mm-hmm. which is, uh, they were wearing <laughs> it at their, uh, in it was like the booth shirt last year at I think Overland Expo. Oh, I remember you told me some guy was talking to the Bill Stein <laughs> yeah, guy. While and, he was wearing the and, shirt. And, no, but, and the other guy was <laughs> calling it Bill Stein. <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you not, you're, you're, you're not reading this? And Steve, who was wearing it, is like six five or something like that, and it was a shorter guy who eye level was exactly that, so it was it was funny. I use Bill Stein. I'm a big fan of Bill Stein. I've been using them forever on my personal rigs. I've got them on my Wrangler 392. Bill Stein is the OG monotube shock. You can get direct replacement stock performance, lifted, loaded, unloaded. They're a great product. You guys should check them out. Bill Stein supported the show before, but uh, they're they're back for more. Bill Stein is good enough for RAM to put on the TRX. As well as uh, the Nissan Frontier Pro 4X, the Nissan Titan Pro 4X, the Nissan Platinum Reserve. You can get them uh, across uh, basically anything SRT has Bilstein's on it. Bilstein's known for their uh, OE quality. Every shock is tuned specifically for the application. And with monotube gas pressurized technology, especially with the reservoir, you're going to be able to go off-road faster and longer without any fade. That's what she said. We need to have one of their engineers back on the show because that is one of the highest rated episodes that we have ever done. Yep, we're definitely going to do that. So remember, when the road runs out, Bilstein Shocks will keep you going. you got to go to uh, offroad.bilstein.com if you're looking for off-road and truck shocks, or you can go to bilsteinus.com. Check them out. Get them for your ride. Oh, and by the way, a lot of people, I, I've had this question a lot where they're like, oh, but those ride stiff, right? And it's like, no, I actually uh, put him on my uncle's truck. He's like, oh, I'm looking for something. My stock shocks on my Ram are blown. Uh, I don't, you know, I said, Bill, he goes, well, don't those ride stiff? After we put him on, he's like, this this is the best riding truck I've ever owned. Uh, How are they getting that misconception? I think just because their performance, you know, they came from the racing world. There's a lot of desert racing, things like that. But the reality is, is because they're tuned for every application, it's a great ride no matter what well, well, you're well, doing. Hold on a second. Bill Stein's been doing sports cars. They're they're known throughout the world as being high-performance shocks for, for sports cars and for off-road vehicles. Like For, for everything. So I know. Of course, so, racing, Baja racing. So I'm not sure why road someone racing. would assume they ride stiff. Well, telling you right now. They don't, they don't ride stiff. So no. if you're on the fence... Go get yourself. We've had a bunch of listeners who've put them on their vehicle, and they're like, man, these things are amazing. So, again, head over to uh, BillsteinUS.com. And if you have a small company, medium or large, and you're having a lot of difficulty with your search engine optimization, which keywords do you use to market, et cetera, reach out to our friends at Full Moon Digital. They will hook a brother up. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. That's us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got a lot of show to get to and not that much time to get to it. 
So uh, what do you mean we don't have that much time? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You mean we like... don't have that much time? But our listeners don't know how much time we have. <laughs> they don't. No. They well, just see a four-hour show pop up, and they go. We need to uh, not do a four-hour show. <laughs> okay. We need to get right into Mr. Bernard Leitner. Yeah, sounds great, Lightning. <laughs> what do you, say? you bet, sport. <laughs> Hello? Bernard, Lightning, and Holman, Truck Show Podcast. What's up? What's happening, my friend? Hey, how you doing, guys? We are outstanding, but before we can talk to you, we have an intro to play, and we need you to guide us. Do you prefer, yes, do you prefer blues or metal? I'm a metal guy all the way. All right, here we go. Hold your ears. Innovator, moderator, truck show. Innovator, moderator, truck show. Innovator, moderator, truck show. Innovator, moderator, truck show. Truck show. Truck show. Truck show. Man, that hurts my throat. you are the quintessential innovator motorator we were debating before we had you on whether we should do the entrepreneur no 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 you were debating i I said he's an innovator well that but but that's the problem he's both he's an entrepreneur and he's an innovator but he's an innovator first i i suppose you're right well that's why we went with it did you also know he uh, grows hot peppers no, I didn't. Yeah, he will burn your mouth with a Carolina Reaper. I love hot peppers, except I I, I tap out at the ones that lo- don't have taste. They're just hot. Yeah, yeah. so he's got plenty of those, yeah. and they're real. Like They're pretty, right? You get these hot peppers. He came to my house to a party, and he, he said, brought some peppers. I'm like, these things are amazing. And then like the really hot ones are sort of warty and ugly looking, but they're real bright and pretty at the same time. And uh, I, Bernard, I think you need to come in studio at some point. And then tell Lightning it's a Serrano, but really have it be a Carolina Reaper. No, I can tell. I can tell. Just <laughs> just one tap of the tongue, and you know what you're 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 done for. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. How did you get into that, Bernard? How did you get into like peppers? Well, I needed a hobby outside of work, which is already kind of a hobby because I love off roading and I love building stuff. So I just needed something to like turn my brain off. And I love hot food. I always have loved hot food. And I'm like, you know what? This would be a great hobby. Let's just grow hot peppers and make my own hot sauce. So definitely next time I run into you guys in person, I'll bring you some hot sauce that you can actually eat and it's not a hot pepper. All right. What is the hottest pepper that you're currently growing right now on the Scoville scale? Well, it's not rated. A lot of the peppers I grow are like heirloom type peppers that like people kind of mix and match different peppers and the pepper I grew, which is the hottest according to people who eat hot peppers and it's called a primo tolly and it's a mix <laughs> between a seven pot primo pepper and a pepper called a, uh, a fatali and it comes together it's called a primo tolly I mean I grow Carolina Reapers and it's hotter than that by All quite right. a bit all right so here, here this is just we'll, we'll hit a couple things on the Scoville scale which is how you measure heat a bell pepper is at zero a banana Correct. pepper, like zero to five hundred. Then, if you're getting into your, like your poblanos, your Anaheims, that's a thousand, you know, twenty five hundred. A really smoking hot jalapeno or a guajillo, those those can get as high as ten thousand. A Carolina, about, right, yeah, about ten thousand. A Carolina, okay, a cayenne, twenty five to fifty thousand. A Carolina Reaper, one point five million on the Scoville scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, like I can handle the mouthfeel, like it's bad and it's painful, but it will turn your stomach inside out. You will uh, not, you will regret eating it 
not because of the mouth burn goes away and an hour later you're in you're just in the fetal position there so was not a, recommended uh, unless you do it on the uh, remake of dirty jobs so uh, last season uh, mike Rowe came back with dirty jobs they went to a pepper farm and one of the uh, outtakes was his one of his camera guys basically like said yeah give me the hot pepper oh no oh my god well they, so they go through how they're making hot sauce and how they grind them up and how your eyes burn and everything and don't touch anything and the whole thing and at the end, he gives the camera guy, he's like, I can do it. The dude was doubled over puking and screaming. And it was it was funny how they t- kind of talked through, like, your brain doesn't know how to interpret it. It thinks it's hot, which is why you think it's hot, but it's not hot. It's spicy. And the whole, f- like, physical stuff that happens to your body when you ingest, uh, you know, Pepper oil, which is amazing. So my my wife knows that I love hot foods, but not painfully hot, but just really spicy. Like I love, love, love spicy food. So Bernard, we, we got to hook up for sure. She makes this casserole for me. This is two, last Thursday night. I eat the casserole. It's spicy. She's like, it's going to burn your butthole. Is what she tells me. Well, you know, and, and I and by the way, I posted that on the Instagram. <laughs> you know what they say: so, burns so, going in, burns coming out. So I thought, yeah, maybe okay. So I got a little rumbling when I woke up that morning mm. around five a.m. and I'm like, nah, I, I'm okay. Oh wait, was that the uh, the poop waking you up? Because that's the worst. That is the worst. It's worse right. than pee. Like you can go take a leak and go back to bed. If you got a poop waking you up, especially a spicy <laughs> yeah. one, dude, all over your day. So is, so here's started. Here's the problem. I have to race to work because I have an appointment. Sit on the john for a minute. Nothing. And I'm like, oh, but I have to go to work. Did you wet a paper towel and just sit on it in the car? <laughs> no, but I should have. So I'm <laughs> I'm in the TRX and I'm on the 605 freeway and I'm two thirds away. You there. wished you had 1200 horsepower and I start sweating and it's awful. It's awful on top of awful. Oh. And I thought I'm going to ruin these beautiful seats right mm. now. And, I, and I'm, I'm sweating balls. I'm just like, oh, my God. And thank the Lord, the traffic cleared as I crossed the 10 freeway. It's like Moses parting and the I, Red Sea. And I used all 702 horsepower in that mother trucker, and I screeched <laughs> So in. if it was Moses parting the Red Sea, you would have walked across the path that he made, pulled down your pants, and stuck your butt <laughs> yes. in the wall of water yes. just to cool it off. Yes, I would have. <laughs> and I, I spackled Banks' bathroom. Oh. Spackled it. Which one so I know which one not to go in? There are <laughs> not, many there. I'm not telling you. Oh, oh it was great. Man, that was the nicest number two. There's nothing. Ever. No, there's nothing nice about that. Because oh yeah, it was going. Oh yeah, I went after after that was done. I went and had like a donut because someone brought in donuts that morning. <laughs> you should like, have had more I milk. Need to replenish. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about taking you down that road, Bernard. But uh, but you're the one who grows hot peppers. <laughs> yeah, you're the one who grows. Hey, I've been I, down that road myself. I know I, what you're talking I'm about. I'm sure you have. <laughs> tell me, tell me, you're a fan of the Hot Ones, the YouTube series. Oh, absolutely. I, I like to watch it all the time. So I've, I've, I probably, I've purchased every one of their hot sauces. So I, I, I am a fan. Ooh, yes. I like, I like it. All right. So uh, we've got Bernard Leitner here. He is the founder and CEO of Leitner Designs. And uh, you had a fairly famous dad. His name was Horse Leitner. And uh, you have been involved in all sorts of stuff. Uh, his company, ATK, um, you worked on bikes and, and raced, uh, you went out, in fact, your dad invented or started AMP Research, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, my, we immigrated from Austria actually in 1980 and, and my dad's dream was to start building motorcycles, you know? I mean, he raced, he was a professional motocross racer in Austria and raced the international six days enduro. enduro. He has four gold medals actually in that. And then wow. He moved 
United States. Yeah, he was a real good motocross racer, enduro racer, and he moved to the United States, wanted to build motorcycles. And where else would you go if you wanted to, you know, build a company? You come to the United States, obviously. So he moved here and started building bikes. He started ATK motorcycles and um, did really good in all the all the races they had back then, especially the desert races like uh, Barca de Vegas and stuff like that. What did ATK stand for, and how do you just start a motor vehicle company back then? Okay, <laughs> so let's just start with the easy one: is what does ATK stand for? It is it's a German it's a German English acronym actually. So he started he had an invention that took the chain forces when you accelerate a motorcycle, the swing arm you know the swing arm um, will jack apart, and when you shut the throttle off the swing arm actually compresses the suspension naturally just from engine braking. And that, that can be dangerous, and it also affects the suspension in ways you don't want it to. So he de developed a system called ATK, which is anti-tension kitten system, which is German for chain system. So it's a, it takes the tension out of the suspension on a motorcycle. Did he patent it? He did patent that, and it was one of his biggest failures, and he admits that. It's a great invention, but nobody knew they had a problem. No, If you talk to anybody today that rides a motorcycle that does not have this device, and none of them do, nobody knows that that's an issue. When you come into a corner hard and you chop the throttle and the rear end starts hopping, that's what that is. Or when you're accelerating through whoops and the rear end bounces sideways, that's what that is. It's the suspension locking out from the horsepower or the or the uh, braking, the natural engine braking. And so nobody knew they had a problem. And my dad couldn't sell that thing if he wanted to. Wow. So it, and he knew it. He knew it. It was like he was trying to educate the public on a problem that nobody knew they had. It was a great idea, and the and it worked perfectly, but just nobody really ever thought about it or right? or, it or, or bernard was it the honda cowie suzuki that had their egos were too big to pay the licensing fee on a patent absolutely there was a huge amount of that as well they thought they could get through this with valving or complicated you know linkage systems they like now nah, we can solve this problem but the base problem is that you know, the suspension is affected massively by the engine horsepower. More horsepower, the worse. It's it's similar to a truck. You ever get an axle wrap? Sure, of course. In the rear end hop? Yeah. It's the same thing. It's very similar to that. So it works like a and, like uh, a track bar on a truck? Like on a quarter mile yeah. truck? No, I would say it's no, more yeah. like the kicker shock on your TRX. Oh. Right? I mean, there's that fifth shock that's on top of the axle to damp any any wrap that comes from yeah that was a like, trip by the way we when i first got my, my truck we all crawled under there and we go wow there's a there's a shock that goes from the front to the back and it's up under the bed yeah it's 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 to keep you know to damp the rotation of your uh of your rear axle and in fact that same system was employed on the ram srt 10 viper truck also no kidding mm-hmm so what ended up happening, yeah. Bernard, what happened to the patent? It just ran its 20 years and, and no one used it today or? No, it, it ran its course. And there is one other thing like, so basically what happened, I think a lot of it, I mean, this is, you know, conjecture, but it, so you can use the engine torque 
to your advantage. If you're a motocross racer and you've ever seat bounced a triple where you sit down and gun it and bounce over that triple, if you had an ATK system on it, you couldn't do that. You were basically using the engine power to lock out the suspension or make it so stiff that it would bounce over that triple. That would not work on a bike with an ATK. Now, if you're desert racing and you're just mobbing, it worked wonderful in that aspect because you never had a seat bounce. So there was people learned how to, they didn't know what they were doing, but they learned how to use that to their advantage, that, 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 uh, that lockout under, under load. So your, your dad eventually sells ATK motorcycles and founds AMP Research, and he employed you as, I guess, head test rider and fabricator. So if you think about AMP Research, everybody knows them from their power boards, right? Like that's kind of like the retractable steps. Or, or the bed extender. But right. they were doing things like full suspension bicycles, disc brakes for companies like Specialized, Mongoose, uh, RockShocks, a bunch of other companies. Yep. And those designs are still used by the manufacturers today. And this was back in the early 90s. So, that I mean, that's a testament to how robust that design was way back then when it came out. I mean, that design has, uh, you know, stood the test of time. That is still the simplest, most effective suspension system that Specialized, you know, they, they ended up buying the patent. And that, and still to this day, everyone strives to use that suspension system. It's the simplest, lightest, and works the best. What's it, it is, called? It awesome, well, it, <laughs> my dad, my dad was never a marketing guy. Funny enough, <laughs> he didn't call it. And then his good friend uh, Jody Weisel, who is the editor of a magazine called Motocross Action, just started calling it the Horst Link after his first name. And that stuck, and everyone still calls that yeah. suspension you, the horse link suspension. You can take uh, the horse link and put it into Google, and all sorts of stuff comes out. And then there's obviously been variations. It isn't like some of the, the more modern versions, like the DW link or some of those, based off of your dad's linkage? Yeah, they are. They, they, they work in a very similar principle mm -hmm. with more complexity. In 2001, you uh, accepted a job as the uh, head of engineering for uh, innovative uh, innovation sports. What is that? So Bernard worked on – this is kind of an interesting one because it sort of seems, I don't know, different than the products before. Custom knee brace hinge designs, electronic knee brace measuring systems. What what was that? Yeah. Funny enough, I have a patent on that, actually. Uh, just some – this is random. So um, – uh, yeah, so I got to, I got to, you know, I, I wanted to do something else. I didn't want to work for my dad forever. Right. You know, I was 20, yeah. I was 21 years old. I was 21 years old at the time. I'd, I'd been a motocross mechanic for a couple of years prior to that. And, uh, a friend of mine's dad owned a company called innovation sports and they invented motocross knee bracing. They, that's who started the whole thing with motocross and action sports making knee braces. The owner blew his knee out skiing and the doctor said there he'll never ski again. He made a knee brace. He went, Oh hell yes, I will. <laughs> I'll show you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so he started this company, crazy, crazy guy, Jim Castillo. And, and uh, he started this company making knee braces and did was amazingly successful. All the pro motocross racers to this day. I mean, if you wear a knee brace in motocross or any action sports, the best one out there to this day is the Innovation Sports CTI knee brace. It is all carbon fiber. This He did this in the 80s. It was all carbon fiber and just form-fitted to your leg, and it was, it, was, it was way ahead of its time. 
So I, I took a job there and started designing knee braces, which was perfect because he let me go try knee braces racing. And we'd go to the local track during the week, and I'd just go test knee braces. So he'd let me ride all the time. So He's like, am I paying you to race? You're like, nope, you're paying me to uh, test knee braces. Yeah. You're, you're paying me to test knee braces. So in so, 07, you finally uh, founded uh, the beginning of what we know today as Lightner Designs. And I didn't know this, uh, but you developed motorcycle exhaust and race components for Two Brothers Racing. But I was just talking to Lightning, and when I saw you a, a while wait, back... Wait, 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 before you get into that, yeah. I know you're going to do it. Yep. I owned several Two Brothers exhausts. Mm-hmm. Some of the best engineered exhaust systems oh, that I've sure. ever owned. For sure. And I have some friends that are at competing companies that I won't mention right now, but I, I, I hope that you were there during those years because the CNC work, the just... Oh my God, the detail! And I feel I feel like Two Brothers never got the um, the publicity that they deserved, and I don't know why that is because I don't know that much about the company. I think they were based in Santa Ana, California. Yeah, they were right. Never have grand. Damn! And the first time I was referred to them, and I got one for my I don't know, it's like my my RM two fifty, and I put one on. I go, holy crap! Is this an amazing exhaust? It was it was a cool company to work for. Yeah, they it was just there's only one brother left when when I was there. I don't know what happened there, but but um yeah, I got the opportunity to work there, and I'd already been designing products forever, and I was kind of freelance, and they wanted me there full time. So I'm like, all right, you pay me enough, I'll, I'll do it. And uh, I got got a I got a, I, it was a great learning experience for sure. I got I got to um, learn a lot about manufacturing and stuff in that com- at that company. So oh, wait, uh, did you read? On, did you read between the lines? I there? did. He did not have a good time there. Well, that's that's what he said. I learned a lot, but the, he doesn't have anything good to say. Well, about he, the, he did. The guys. Move, he, well, he listened. He moved on and, and no, grew like deep. we all do. <laughs> we all grow. Yeah, we all grow. We all evolve. <laughs> Lightning wants to always pull out the dirt and the and 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 everything bad in something. I do not. I just I felt like you couldn't let him be diplomatic. You had to nope, call him out on I it. I gotta call him out. What is wrong? With you? I got nothing bad to say. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. See? Perfect. It was, but to be honest, I mean, I think the good thing to say about it was it was the springboard for me. It was the last job I ever had. Was was 2013. Two Brothers Racing was the last job I ever had after I, I started my company in 14 and I walked away, you know, and it, it's it's great. I mean, it's just everything worked out well. So I was going to point out when I was visiting you not too long ago, uh, you saw my phone case and you said, hey, I, des- I designed that. And I was like, and you know, what? Yes. So I, I've used Rockform, which is uh, R-O-K-F-O-R-M. It's the kind of phone case I've I've used them probably for ten years now, maybe more. It's the kind of case that's impact resistant, but the the beauty is on the back it has a four pronged kind of a, a a a hub, if you will, and you can lock your phone either in the vertical or landscape orientation, and that hub can be attached to a magnet, can be attached to handlebars, can be attached to your visor, can be attached to a suction cup, whatever it is. And it's a way of securely locking your phone to whatever vehicle that you happen to be in. And for me, I started using them when I was riding my Harleys and Buells because I would lock my iPhone to the handlebars. Or when I was mountain bike riding, or today, I still use their magnet mount where you put the magnet in that little half turn. And I can use it as a magnet mount inside the uh, inside my Jeep. And so uh, I've been a, f- uh, a customer of Rockform for many, many, many years. I had no idea that Bernard was the one who uh, invented that. 
That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I, they hired me to make, they wanted to get out of, they didn't want to get out of the motorcycle market, but they wanted to start making cell phone cases, um, make a new division. And the, and one of the owners decided, Hey, let's make cell phone cases. And he hired me. He's like, what can you come up with? And I go, well, here's the problem I got. I throw my phone in, in the cup holder and then the phone rings and got to remember this is, I don't know what year this is, 2010 now, right? And they didn't really have app. They didn't have Apple CarPlay. They didn't have any way of answering your phone. Then you'd be fumbling with it, and everything already had to be hands-free. I'm like, what if you could mount it on the dash without one of these ugly claws yeah. that ruined your dash, you know, suction cup it somewhere? I'm like, you got to make something really tiny, very precise that just locks just your phone onto the dash so you can view it and answer your phone calls. That's how that whole thing started. I'm like, I just need, I just wanted one for myself, to be honest with you. Those are the best inventions where you just make stuff for yourself. Although I, did you get, did anyone get a patent on that? Yeah. So interesting enough, they did get a patent on it, but I, they weren't super like, I'm like at my own company, I patent like everything and defend my patents. They just, they patented it. And then just, I don't think they, they were more going for, they weren't really going for defending that patent, but yeah, they have a patent on it. All right, so in uh, 2014, that's when you uh, built the very first Lightner active cargo system. So uh, this was yep. sort of the the beginnings of what's known today uh, as your Lightning, you know, truck bed rack. So maybe talk about how that came to be, how you made that leap from motorcycles into trucks, and and how the company kind of started from there. Yeah, well, you know, it, it again, it's 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 like you know, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? So. I'd been, you know, I'd been fabricating and building stuff and designing stuff for personal use forever. And I started really getting into this off-road camping and, and overlanding or whatever you want to call it. And rooftop tents were coming out and I'm like, I need to get myself one of these. And then I didn't know how to mount it to my truck. So I had a Tacoma and I had to figure out a way to mount this to my truck. And so I didn't have a fab shop or anything. So I went to my buddies and they were all going to like, Oh yeah, we can bend you a tube. And I go, yeah, but I want to keep my compressor in here and I want to keep my recovery gear here. And they're like, well, we can't really do that. And I'm like, well, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Right. And so I just sat down one day thinking like, I, I want to build this Tacoma into be the badass Tacoma. And so I, I sat down and started drawing it. And I'm like, first I started making everything out of bent metal tubes. Like, Everybody else would start with because you can do that. You can buy metal tubes. And then I started drawing it and I'm like, well, that doesn't look good. And that's not manufacturable. And I just got way, you know, that's how my brain works. I just got way too into it. And suddenly I had this whole product. And I'm like, I can't even make this. <laughs> this is not repeatable. This no, is not. I can't make this. I no, can't fabricate. It's so this. funny because isn't that one of the things like when you, um, engineers always mock other engineers like junior engineers for designing something that can't can be, actually that be, can't be manufactured can't be, yeah, exactly. at least at scale yeah. right 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 and i like it, the fact that bernard you went and said hey everything is made out of dom right uh, drawn over mandrel tubing right they're like everything is round yeah. tubing bumpers this that it's like and i said the same thing about like we all used to watch monster garage right and jesse james building all these bikes and every every single bike, American Chopper, and all these—they're all just freaking DOM tubing. I thought, why isn't anyone seeing seeing a uh, 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 or doing like what Honda does with their swing arms? Why isn't a bike made out of that when all the American guys are just doing bent tubing? I'm like, it looks so 1987. It's, it's just everything is so it, dated with that stuff. 
it's just too hard. It's just too difficult to make something. It really is. Once you get into the nitty gritty of it and go, oh, I, I want to make this and that, you look at it and only an idiot would do it. And that's what, that's me. I'm pretty, I'm just too stupid. And so I just go, no, I'm going to do it this way. It's the right way to do it. And I just crossed my fingers and, and hoped it would work, right? I mean, I put a bunch of money into tooling and I made all these plastic storage boxes and I didn't, I wasn't sure this was ever going to work, but I just kept going at it. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't hundred percent sure, obviously, but I just kept going for it. And I just wanted a product that was just the way I wanted it to work so and not just metal boxes. So what was cool about your system is it had a, a back bar that would slide, and that would allow people to use the entire truck bed. It didn't take away from having that storage space or the usefulness. Because at the time, yeah. there were a bunch of different things that were out there. But there weren't any real, unless you were like a Baja team, there wasn't like Chase Rack was sort of a thing, but not really for the consumer. You could get like a regular you know, fiberglass camper shell, but then you couldn't really access the stuff in the back of your bed, and it wasn't really lightweight necessarily. Obviously, trucks back then didn't have the same payload that they do now. Uh, and then there were things like, what was the soft topper, camelback, or or some of those different designs that were the, the canvas uh, canback. Sure. And so there are a few yep, of those yep. types of things. But there wasn't anything really like what you came up with. Well, how do we how do we describe it? Because unless you go to LeitnerDesigns.com and see it for yourself, I'm not sure we can do it justice verbally. I I, I don't know. How do you describe it? What's your elevator pitch, Bernard, uh, for the active cargo system? Well, <laughs> and I didn't come up with this one. It, it, it's the this is my marketing department, but it's the the toughest, most modular truck rack on the market. So it is a truck bed rack. But it offers storage options that are dry and secure and locking, and it doesn't ruin your truck bed because everything else you put on your truck that's out there, you can't put a motorcycle in the back, and that was huge for me. Or if you got to move your neighbor's couch or whatever it is, basically you have that bar fixed back there, and yeah. you just hit your head in trying to get your cooler out of the truck. It's just it's in your way more than it isn't, and, and that's what cracks were and so we i had to make something better well and you came up with something the the next generation in uh, in 19 was the acs forge which was basically a gen 2 system that had yep. forgings in your uprights which is a very unique look they're very high quality also strong and they were backwards compatible with some of your accessories that you had and of course third-party mounts but the beauty of your system is you would hang boxes and some of your accessories from the top None of it was on the floor of the bed, which would allow you full use of the bottom of your bed, where a lot of racks bolted down and had to have structure on the side and made your bed narrower. And to your point, couldn't yep. get motorcycles in the back, which is obviously what you're trying to do. And I just showed Lightning. I've got this uh, brand new uh, second issue of Outdoor Vehicle Recreation Magazine, OVR here. It has a, uh, a spread for Lightner, and it shows your bed rack being used with a with a motorcycle going in the back of it. And it's just a really cool kind of high-up photo. So, A, thank you for supporting OVR because uh, I appreciate that greatly. Uh, but it's, a, it's an awesome ad. So the thing is is that you've got the four uprights. Forgive me if I'm calling them the wrong thing, but they're the That's four we uprights. Call we, call them, we call them uprights. Go okay, for it. So in the front corners, the back corners, as you'd expect with any rack. And then you have yep. – 
then you have the bars that go from driver side to passenger side, and there's one towards the front of the truck and one by the tailgate. And the beauty is, let's say you're going to pull your KTX 450 in the back, right? You've got your motorcycle. You're like, okay, well, wait a minute. How am I going to put the bike's too tall? I can't get it under the up. I can't get it uh, under the crossbar. The upright. Yeah, the, yeah, the crossbar, top of the crossbar. The crossbar. So his crossbar is just slide forward. Yep. So you just slide it forward on these tracks, tighten it down, up goes the bike, tie downs, done five minutes maybe less and because it's forged it's super strong and there's a lot of structure it's lightweight it's strong but it 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 has even without with it being turned into a think of it as a, a three-sided rectangle in that mode it still has enough strength for your accessories and you put his uh his different uh cargo storage boxes that hang down he's got a uh a water one that you can pressurize and and you know use a hose to spray your stuff down at the end of the day or take what? a shower. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Oh yeah, we make all that stuff. So you know what? Oh, I was gonna make fun of you, Holman, for burning through fuel on your last. But they don't make one for. Doesn't have one for a Jeep JL. But what was that to do with me burning <laughs> fuel? Well, because you would have had. Uh, uh, I got ten. I got fuel. ten gallons on the back. Oh yeah, you do. You yeah. need more. Yeah, I do need more. That's Bernard. That's do you true. have any idea how bad Holman's fuel economy is in his 392 off road? Tell him how many miles you got on the tank. Well, hold on. Not miles per gallon. How many miles you got? Hold on. This oh, this was rock crawling, very technical, very slow crawly stuff over a very long thing. Listen, Bernard is my man. He's a fellow uh -huh. TRX owner. Uh -huh. And by the way, I want to find out what happened oh, yeah. to you in the oh, desert when you broke it. Well, also, I was going to say yeah. he may yeah. not be a TRX uh, owner oh, for long. Really? So. Okay, got it. All right. So maybe he's turned. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But or maybe you, he's just not your man. You you think your eleven or twelve miles a gallon is bad? Holman got seventy miles on a tank. Well, seventy <laughs> miles when the light came on, which equated <laughs> which equated to four point seven miles per gallon. Ooh, yeah, yeah, rock crawling. You're having a good time. Yeah, it's, you know, listen, it's it's smiles per gallon, my friend. Smiles per gallon. Smiles per gallon. But had you had some kind of a rack system with all of the Leitner f external fuel tanks, uh -huh. you would have been gold. I would have had more fuel yes, to burn. That's exactly <laughs> that's right. All that would have been. <laughs> what we're going to get back to the racks, but now that we're on to the topic, what happened with you and your TRX out in the desert in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, so I mean, we we at Leitner, we, so we got a bunch of trucks, anyways. We got we got a TRX, we got a Jeep Gladiator. We got a Super Duty running 37s with a full Carly pin top system, like loaded. And, and we try to go out once a month and just go beat on our trucks because we're always product testing and we're testing a new product that we're going to be launching this year. And, you know, I'm driving, I drive hard and, and all of us kind of do, but I drive a little extra hard. So we're, we're doing this loop out in, out in, uh, kind of Johnson Valley area. Actually, this was, this was out more out in the Mojave, I know. Sean knows that area really well. We're, I'm just booking down this washboard. And, you know, a lot of people say, like, what breaks trucks? What what breaks product? And people say, oh, jumping it. That, that'll break something. Or, or uh, you know, or G-outs or something. But what breaks vehicles is just washboard roads. Like, nothing, nothing can prepare a product more than just doing hundreds of miles of washboards it will shake everything off your truck everything right it, it's just it's the worst nobody likes to do it but i mean i'd rather not do it but i have a good i have a good 200 mile loop that ends up out in laughlin and we just you know we punch it in a day 
200 miles, just one point A to point B and then come back the next day. So that's our that's our product test run on this one section, which just was not whooped out. It was just washboards. And I'm I'm kicking it, you know, 60, 60, maybe a little faster, probably around 60, 65. The steering, it, it started getting like a death wobble, like you might get in like a like a solid axle truck, I guess. And uh, the front end started getting loose, and I grabbed the steering wheel, and I heard a kunk. And the steering wheel disconnected from the whole steering system. Like, it was gone, like 60 miles an hour, and I had no steering wheel. I didn't know what happened. Ouch. <laughs> so there's that joke. I didn't know what happened. There's that joke okay, that says, uh, loosen up behind the wheel. This was true in, <laughs> in two ways on this one. Yeah. This, it was an interesting experience because you don't know, you don't expect it to happen. You don't, you're not prepared for it. You didn't know what the failure was. And so I'm just going down the, I'm going 65 and I really didn't let off the throttle. I'm like, nah, it's just, it was floating. I felt like maybe it was just floating and it started darting off to the right. And I kind of countercorrected, and the steering wheel was just, in my hand doing nothing oh. and I just laid off and it was like, it was a panic moment and it just, I just laid on the brakes and just up and the thing came to I perfectly safe, came to a stop in the middle of the desert and I'm way ahead of my group of guys, you know, and, and I'm like, and when you I, open the door, did you hear this sound? App, dude, I, it's what I just the first thing I said at radio. I'm like, I'm like, I think there's something wrong. And like, <laughs> you get better turn around. Like, Where are you? Understand. I was so in the desert out there is so wide open, right? I mean, it, you can go 10 miles to the right or 10 miles to the left, and it's just wide open out there. There's no real trail. And so I see my guys going by, and the they were out of radio range. Did you get on the Lightner so I, rack in the bed, stand on top of it because of what a secure platform it was, and shake your steering wheel in the air to try and get their attention? The steering wheel. I, you're joking. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> Why can't you see the red? I'm over here on top of the rack waving a steering wheel at you, you dummies. I had a radio in my hand on top of the truck trying to get radio reception. One of them saw me. One of the guys heard me on the radio and turned around, and then now it's me and him sitting out there. So we just took all the gasoline and just set, got as much plastic as we could and just set this huge signal fire. <laughs> no way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really, we had a set of signals fire. And then finally, because they, they knew we were missing and they couldn't find us, they went to the top of the hill, saw the signal fire. And drove toward it. That's what. That's how everyone got back together. You know, you're, you're lucky you had gasoline. Otherwise, it could have been a three-hour tour that turned into uh, something much, much longer. How? But, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the GMRS radio at what? How? This is like 15, 20 miles. Like how far does well, it go? Line of sight, and it depends. Whatever other people have. Who knows if it's GMRS? If it's race radio? Well, yeah, it, it was. It, it's just a ham radio. What are we running? We run. We run weather when we're out there. We run weatherman. Yeah, and uh, I think only like a it's not a juicy radio. It was a, the one I was running was a handheld, right, with like a really long antenna on it, like a three foot, four foot long antenna. That a Radio Shack or a Tandy? <laughs> tandy? <laughs> what are you ninety? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Hey, I was waving my Tandy <laughs> out the window. <laughs> it definitely made me rethink my choice of radios in that particular vehicle. So yeah, especially when but you yeah, can't communicate with people, it seems that's sort of why you have it. 
that yeah that didn't work out as planned <laughs> so what'd you do how did you get it back to camp so it's actually still out there so believe me it was out there for a day it was out there for 24 hours i'm like i, I got in our super duty and i went to my friend's house out in johnson valley and grabbed his flatbed trailer and it's it was out there far and it, the worst part was it was all sand right and so it was pretty deep. And so we got, we, we, we drove out there and it took us, I camped out there. Thank God we had a rooftop tent on the rack and we just built a big fire and just, you know, took us an entire day to scope out a GPS route to get out because when on the way out, we calculated we're pulling close to 18,000 pounds through sand. Oh, with the dude, the super duty has got to weigh 9,500 pounds with all the crap on it. So when the does the Lightner uh, hovercraft uh, accessory come out? <laughs> I was about to just call a helicopter if they had one big enough to pick that TRX up. But, yeah, so we, we went out there, you know, the next day. It took us a day to scope a route out to the freeway, which was quite a far away. And then uh, we loaded it up backwards because the thing wouldn't steer. So try getting a truck with no steering wheel onto a flatbed in the sand dunes you couldn't steer it it kept going so we grabbed vice grips oh and steered it with the vice grips on the steering shaft steered it with with vice grips on the steering shaft and i could only get like a sixteenth of a rotation out of it before it hit the gas pedal and so i'm like sitting there going click 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 trying to freaking (laughs) it was dude i mean it's fun now i still get to laugh about it great story for a bar it is a great story, and I'll have that forever. But it, when I was out there just sitting there going, looking at my truck and no steering wheel on it, going, nah, that ain't fun. What happened? You get it home, you get it to the dealer, and dot, dot, dot. Drop it off at the dealer. Ask him to take a look at it. And I, I'm not, I didn't tell him. I was just driving down the freeway, and the steering wheel let out. I go, I'm going 65 through the desert, and the steering wheel let go over washboards. And that's the honest truth, and that's exactly what happened to it. And they're like, yep, no problem. We'll take a look at it. I called them every day for 10 days. Finally, on the 10th day, a guy called me back and he goes, we're going to have to have, uh, you know, FCA come out, Stellantis, Chrysler, whatever you want to call them. And one of their reps is going to come out and look at it. Another 10 go- days go by and I call them again. And I go, what's going on? Oh, well, we're, we're looking into it. 30 days go by. Oh, no. What's going on? And they're like, we're going to get to it. We're still looking to have the rep from, from uh, FCA come out to take a look at it. At day 45, to this day, it's been three and a half months. It's still sitting there. Oh, no. Because wait a minute. 30 days, is, 30 days is lemon law, but this is is that a repeat issue for 30 days? I don't know. My wife had a, had a Mercedes lemon lawed, and they bought it back on the 31st day. You've had it there for how long again? Three and a half months. Yeah, so it's 30, 60, 100 days. I mean, they got to remember this happened. This ha- well, I mean, this happened Jan- uh This happened at the end. Well, right before Christmas, like two, three days before Christmas. I remember 22. seeing your post, and I thought it was a joke, and I went, "Oh, oh, damn, that's not a joke. Oh, that sucks." Yeah. And you know, it's like here's the deal, like. I am not a brand loyal person. Somebody will take this as like, oh, see, Ram TRXs suck and Ford Raptors are so much better. And things go bad. It's engineered. It's metal. It, you, you, things happen. 
that aren't supposed to, and that's just just the way it is. But I mean, on my on my Raptor, I the bolt came out behind the steering wheel, but that was a trail fix because I popped the airbag off and put red Loctite and tightened the bolt back down. But I had a bolt back out of my Raptor, the steering wheel, and it came off. Well, here's so, what, here's what this, this tells us, right? Like this is that moment where you just realize that everything is screwed together, and any you know, to your point, it's all engineered and manufactured and. The desert is rough it on is. vehicles. It's hard to build a really quality off-road package. It's difficult. Well, I think what's concerning him, I think, let's get to the core of the matter here, is that the Ram dealer, di- and nor, nor Stellantis, they should have said, we we tried to build the sturdiest truck we could build for this exact thing, and he broke it. And they should have said, sorry, let's get it fixed. Let's replace whatever needs to be fixed. And they're just dragging their feet. I would have paid for the repair. I would not have, if they'd have said, hey, this is not what this thing was built for. And it was, I called them repeatedly and they never got back to me. Oh no, they're wait, we're waiting on this. And then, you know, at, at some point I'm like, come on, I could have fixed it myself. The part online is 250 bucks. It's just the steering box right underneath the steer, the steering wheel by the, underneath the dash. That's where it broke because the steering wheel spins in circles and the outfit shaft doesn't spin. So I know where it's broken. I, it was a $250 part. I, I still don't know what's wrong with the truck, but well, well, Bernard, do you think that they're hanging onto your truck because they think they may have a recall situation? Well, anytime something like that happens, there's, there's two avenues, right? There's the NHTSA where there's enough complaints for the government does an investigation and then tells the manufacturer, Hey, uh, you need to do a recall. Or there's the ones where the manufacturers self-identify, and they may go, oh, wow, there was a flaw in this part for five trucks on the line, and we saw it in five trucks. Or it could be like, we made this tr- this part, our supplier didn't do the right metallurgy, and now we have to replace that. Or it could be this is a one-off, it just wasn't installed properly or whatever. So in my opinion, they're keeping it for the data. But for whatever reason, I mean, somebody should have come out by now and 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 done what they needed to do. So it'll be interesting. To see the, yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how and, that gets and resolved. And they're idiots because someone at the dealer has to know that Bernard is kind of an influential figure in the off road industry, you know, and overlanding. So I think that's dumb. Maybe, but you got to you're dealing with massive I've corporations. Never, I've never, and I still don't blame it on anybody. And I've never posted about it on personally or on our website. I've never said anything about it, and it. it it's not, you know, I'm not that guy, and it, things break. It's a freaking truck. It, I've broken a lot of trucks. And I don't motorcycles. think I've never had a steering wheel rip off. Like I've never had that happen. So I feel like it should be repaired. But I think you're doing yourself a disservice, though. You've broken a lot more than just trucks. <laughs> you've broken motorcycles, and oh, I mean, yeah. if you went um, down the list of stuff body. you've broken, yeah, you know, your body. <laughs> I've got more screws in me than uh, I, I care to remember right at this point well if you had the right size screw and thread pitch you could have uh, screwed your steering wheel back on buddy right take it right out of your shoulder and put it right on the truck i could have sourced my own yeah i could have sourced my own (laughs) so let's get back to uh the products here and when you were designing i kind of the 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 marquee system for for lightner which is the active cargo system right it's going to cost you a boatload of money for the forgings and and i want to know what came first it was it was the classic that came first, and that was that was all aluminum, and that was all aluminum. There was aluminum tubing. There was a lot of stampings. We never we you know a lot of companies always uh, advertise we lit precision laser cut our stuff. Like we don't laser cut anything at Lightner. Like all our stuff is is stamped in dies. You know we tool for everything. 
And that actually makes, a, in my opinion, a much better part than just laser cutting and press breaking. Because it, everyone it's does way it. more expensive. Way well, more expensive. So, so Leitner has a, a pretty interesting thing on the website. So if you go to LeitnerDesigns.com, he has a, a feature comparison, Forge versus Classic. So you're looking at 1950 versus 1450 to 1650. So there's going to be a price advantage for the Classic. You're looking at, and one of the things you guys do that I love is not only do you do a static load limit, but you also do uh, dynamic on-road and off-road. So you have uh, off-road load limit of 400 pounds dynamic versus 250, on-road of 800 pounds versus 500, or a static load limit of 1,400 pounds versus 1,000. You get the height-adjustable yep. riser kit on the Forge. Uh, both have a sliding load bar, but the Forge has a five-year warranty versus the Classic's two-year and then both fit all the accessories. You get black 10.9 uh, grade hardware on the uh, on the forge, and then they both have alum- aluminum construction. So it's not that much of a, a, a bump up. It's less than five hundred dollars in most cases for you to go from the classic up to the forged, and that forged for that price is. is a, I think there's a lot of value there for what you're getting. For sure. And, and by the way, when I said expensive, I was talking about his stampings versus, sure. again, going back to the conversation about the, the, the uh, DOM tubing, is that I think it really separates the men from the boys. Because if you look at automotive manufacturing, all, everything is stamped, right? It's for structural rigidity. It's for... Uh, for mass production, it's for all the right reasons you stamp stuff. But the average guy who's got a fab shop cannot afford that. It would be almost business suicide for him to do it. But but Bernard obviously he like jumped off the deep end and went. He's like, I'm going to do it right. It's the right way to do it. It's the right way to do it, and that's how I like to build things. I don't. I want to build them the way I feel that I've learned over my years of designing products the right way to make something. I just don't cut the corner there and. I don't just go get a laser cut part and weld it together and, and call it a day. You know, I, I, I come from an automotive background. I did a lot of projects and back in the day for Toyota and for Ram and for Honda. And they have such stringent controls on how things are manufactured and powder coated and, and, and plated. And, you know, I learned all that over the years and I just made my product to that standard. Because I just felt like that was going to be the best. And, and I know firsthand how particular you are about your designs. I mean, you really do look at every aspect, and you really do make sure that they they meet your stringent standards, which are, in my opinion, some of the highest in the industry in terms of product development. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, we we go. We'll have to go on a test run one day when we load the truck up, and we have these big giant weights that we make. And they, we put 400 pounds on top of that rack and just, it's kind of silly to think 400 pounds on a rack. It doesn't sound like a lot, but 400 pounds is like, me and lightning. You know, <laughs> that's yeah, a lot of weight. Sadly true. Yeah, it's, it's both uh, Holman and I just holding on for dear life as he's going over the washboard. <laughs> Please, dear God, Bernard, stop. Please, I'll pay we'll you anybody. Except we're more dynamic as our, uh, as our, our fat swings around uh, inside of our bodies around corners and over whoops. <laughs> I, I had a question, uh, Bernard, about... On the active cargo system, on some of the systems you have uh, angled, uh, what would they call angled bars that come support down, bars. support bars that tie into uh, would be the, the 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 not the tailgate but it's the D pillar. Okay, is what it's called. And they're and they're strengthening. Obviously, they keep it from angular motion, right across. Yeah, I don't you know don't, you don't want a parallelogram, is what you're doing. You're right, but then yep. 
Uh, so me, because I have the EGR roll track system, I have no place where I can put those crossbars that go angular down for that support. What keeps that system uh, from rocking left and right, forwards and backwards when I don't have those supports? So on a Tano, we do make a Tano application. And on a Tano application, those supports are missing. Now, what basically happens in that situation, we had to reinforce the rack on the top, which unfortunately prevents the load bar from sliding front to back. So if you took the load bar out and slid it forward on a Tano application, and since you obviously can't have those supports because the Tano would run into it and never close, on a Tano application, you just you just you you have all the features of every other active cargo system we make, but you do not have the sliding load bar. Can I take off those load bars so I can still pull a bike in the back? It, if you did not have any of our accessories on there, then yeah, most likely that would hold up. But it it, it prevents the rack from folding in on itself, like ah, toward the center. Gotcha. Bed, all you do you is have, take, you're talking about bicycles water. though. Yeah, yeah. So all you bicycles. have to do is duck your handlebar under the load rack and move it to the front. I'm, just, I'm not. It's just not just me. A lot of guys who may have my setup maybe have a tonneau and a derp. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just curious. But I, I, I'm also he's lightning is going to throw you out for the next half hour. Very specific, oddly no, specific use cases. That was it. That was it. That's my only specific use case. What happens if I'm carrying a box of bananas? And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm dialless. I, I'm looking at it. it's freaking awesome, and I want to buy one. So I'm all, all the listeners are hearing you going lightning. Enough about how you use things. Yeah. This is about me. I know. All right. All right. So let's talk about some of the applications. So uh, light, and the accessories. Obviously, Ram TRX. Ford Raptor, F-150, of course, Super Duty, Ranger, even the Maverick, which the, the rack for the Maverick is actually kind of rad looking. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's four feet long. It's tiny. Well, I was but... going to say it's funny because you see the typical Lightner uh, pod on this box on the side of it, and most of it's like there's one of those boxes, and then there's like a couple shower pods, and then there's a couple rotopacks, and this is just, just the Lightner box on the side. Um... That's it. <laughs> there's some limited space, but uh, we felt there's an application for oh, it. No, we just make a rack for everything. I mean, we just if, if a new truck model comes out, we 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 immediately put engineering resources at it and build an application for that. Well, you've got uh, the Chevy Silverado, of course, Trail Boss, Sierra, Gladiators. You've got the Titan, Titan XD, the Frontier, awesome. Ram 1500, Power Wagons, Tundras, obviously Tacoma is where you started. So you really are yep. covering just about everything on the market. So uh, if, if our listeners are, are thinking of what is a, a really high-quality rack solution, and the beauty is your stuff is, is, has quality powder coat on it. It is made from aluminum. It's not going to be like a lot of the other racks out there made of steel that after a year the powder coat bubbles and you get rust lines down your paint and, and the thing just doesn't feel like quality. The Lightner stuff, again, five-year warranty on the Forge stuff is going to be you know, the way to go. So is the is the forge stuff? Um, is it powder coated? Is it anodized? Is it seracoated? What what and how does it hold up in like for our friends on the on the coasts, whether in Florida, New Jersey, California? It is all aluminum construction, and on the aluminum, so we use a local. Funny enough, we use a local powder coater, but that powder coater does powder coating for. Ford. It does powder coating for Tesla. It does powder coating for, I know your listeners are familiar with worn winches. So when there's an OE Ford, if there's an OE winch made for Ford, if they go to that powder coater and it, they are the best, they do automotive grade 
And it's not easy. People think you just spray it on, but there's like four different layers underneath that that are applied prior to the top coat. And that's one thing we do. We don't just spray over some steel and hope for the best. Ours is ours is guaranteed for sure. Gotcha. Let's uh, let's talk through some of the accessories. Well, what was the first accessory? And then how did it expand? Was it just, I need this, I need that? Or were you going to shows and guys like, I need a, a medical bag, a case. I need a, how did your line of accessories blossom? So the first product was the gear pod. And that's, that's what I think every rack at the time was missing was it's a rack and it holds a tent or it holds a canoe. And well, where do you put all your other stuff that you carry? Where do you carry your wetsuit? Where do you carry where you carry any other stuff. So the first thing was the gear pod, a small one. It was 15 by 50. It was like a 15 inch square. Right. And we still sell that and it's a good seller. But after that, pretty much everything was like a customer would call. I need this. A customer would call. I need this accessory. And we just listened to our customers at that point. They, I want a huge gear pod. I want one that's half the length because I drive a, a short bed Tacoma and I still want to carry fuel or water but I, I, you know, and so we were just listening to our customers and just, they were just giving us most of those ideas, to be honest with you. Man, yeah. I just want to go back to uh, the, the start of, of Lightner and when your dad was uh, inventing things like bed extenders and power steps, you remember who the first OE was to offer that? Ooh, wait, uh, Nissan. It was <laughs> Nissan. So going back full circle, you guys started with uh, with Nissan as a, uh, I guess it was a dealer accessory at first, right? And the bed extender, Nissan was the first as well. When they launched their Frontier way back in the day, the boxy Frontier, I forgot what year that was. They were the first in the United States. Nissan was the first in the United States with a four-door pickup truck with a short, tiny bed. Nobody not- else really had before then they're not afraid to take chances first frontiers after they after the nissan hard body because they re, they redesigned them would have been i th- think the d22 or the and then the, eventually the d40 that was 1997 was when the that that body style frontier came out we had an original they nissan dropped off an original prototype and it was it was so right. It was like, you know, you know, it was one of those original prototypes that was just for picture taking. Oh yeah. And it was kind of together. It had a diesel gas cap in it, but it was gasoline powered. <laughs> it said four wheel drive, but it was two wheel drive, right? It was just a photo car prior to the actual launch of the vehicle. And I remember, uh, an employee drove it and put diesel in it because it had a diesel <laughs> gas cap. Oops. If they didn't know, it was hilarious. There was some funny stuff about that, but we had one of the first ones ever at AMP. Yeah. And those were uh, built in Smyrna uh, at the Smyrna factory in Tennessee. How did your dad get that deal with Nissan? How did he hook the big fish in the OE market? Because at the time, you know, Nissan was actually really innovative. If you think of all the products that, that Nissan has debuted, they were the first ones that had the towing mirrors that everybody has with the concave and convex glass. They had in-bed sure. storage. They were the first one to do a factory brand bed liner. They had the Utilitrack system, so they were the first with tracks in the bed. They were the first with the bed extender. I mean, there was a ton of innovation that people don't realize because everybody uses those products as industry standard now. H- how did your dad hook them as, uh, as his first big OE account? You would literally, I'd have to give him a call and ask him. I don't have that exact answer for you. I'm guessing 
it probably happened somewhere at SEMA where he would be there every year at SEMA. And uh, I think some of the executives walked up to him and said, this is perfect for a new product we're launching before it had launched and, and probably thought that was a good idea. I, I just, I just remember spending a lot of time at that assembly plant at Smyrna. Yeah. When it launched, you know, I, they would ship these container loads of bed extenders up to uh, Smyrna and then I'd be on a plane and fly out and help the guys on the assembly line install them to make sure they were doing it right. Oh, really? Oh, that's so cool. That's rad. Yeah. Awesome. A lot of time there at that Sparno plant. That's huge. If you've ever been to oh, it, yeah. there's four that's off the freeway. Oh, it's it's I mean, it's like, massive. Massive. It's massive. It's great. It's beautiful and it's clean and it's yeah. just like this most organized assembly line you've ever seen. And, and they build uh, a mix of stuff them. there. Like really dissimilar products are all built on that Smyrna line, which is amazing when you watch things being built. I, I can't remember if it's Pathfinder one minute and, you know, a, a truck another or something. I, I don't remember what the mix is today, but uh, basically that plant opened back in 1983 and built the uh, the 1983 and a half Nissan trucks were the first ones built in the U.S. was out of that plant. That, that time that you spent there, Bernard, did that shape any of or give you any ideas about manufacturing that stuck with you and you were able to use years later? You know, it all did, but it all, every, every, I, I don't forget when it comes to engineering stuff, I don't forget a lot. There's, I forget people's names, but I don't forget engineering stuff. And yeah, it was amazing to watch. And that's how we design our product now is like, how is this customer going to properly assemble this without having a million steps to do? How is that customer going to read those instructions? So when he puts it together, he puts the right bolt in the right place. And I watched all that on the assembly line down at Nissan and how organized they had all their, all their worksheets. And I was just staring at it going, wow, okay. That's why they can have their quality as high as they can, because it's just so organized. And so, yeah, we try to do that at our facility. We try to mimic that for sure. If you want to find out more about Lightner designs, or you're looking for one of the best truck racks in the business, you want to head over to uh, lightnerdesigns.com. That's L-E-I-T-N-E-R designs.com. You can find them on uh, on Facebook uh, at Lightner Designs. You can find them on Instagram at Lightner Designs. You can find them on YouTube at, hey, guess what? Lightner Designs. <laughs> Absolutely. Where do we go to buy your hot sauce? Well, I'm not selling it yet, but a good friend of ours, uh, Rory, actually gave it a good name. So I do, I do have hundreds of bottles in my kitchen oh. and out for free. All right. But we do have aim for it it is called lightner in a bottle <laughs> oh that's great oh that's yeah. that's awesome that is oh damn i don't want to give rory credit no for that. rory you know, know right? freaking rory oh freaking rory but yeah. it's rory you gotta love him for that that yeah. was a good idea i mean we 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 love him but lightner in a bottle rory. is pretty strong that, that's that's solid yeah i want to get lightner in a bottle and then we need to go down the to the uh taqueria down the street <laughs> And get whatever their burritos are, just like a two-pound burrito, but with no salsa in it. We'll just use the lightener stuff and then go to town. I'm in. Can we steal a couple bottles? Yeah, I'll bring I'll bring a bunch of bottles. Any of you guys going to Easter Jeep? Oh, I'll be there. I'll be there too. I'll bring some bottles for you guys. And uh, I know they're gonna. I know the uh, the Jeep booth should have a bunch of our product in it. So uh, I gotta go. Wa- gotta watch and see that. All right. Well, All right. I'll, I'll be Holman, in town. Will you you gotta bring one. All right. Back I'll, I'll I'll text you and figure out where the uh, the meeting place can be for uh, the bottle swap. Actually, just I'm taking bottles. I'm not actually giving you anything in return. <laughs> just just the well, high stickers. Five. We'll give them stickers. Oh, yeah, we, we do have stickers. Yeah. Got a couple. It's slaps. been a dream to be on the show, so I can pay you in some hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we know he's a liar. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, dude. Well, congratulations on the success. Yeah, good to and, talk to uh, you, my friend. Appreciate this is, it. This has been a long time coming. I know that you guys, Holman, you've spoken to him at a couple shows and had him on. Well, well we, we back way, way, way when we first started this thing at the Four Wheeler Adventure Expo in Costa Mesa. I think we talked to Bernard we for did. like 10 minutes or something. But but we, I don't know. Right. We've talked for like four years about having him on for like a legitimate segment. And I don't know why it's taken four years. Well, and aren't you somewhat local? Where are you corona. based? You're Corona. He should have been part, in the studio. That's why he's listening to Rory. They're all part of the Corona Mafia over there. Uh, so that's BS. He should have been here in studio. <laughs> well, he was last minute, so we have to thank him. All right. He, he bailed us out. I had a good time with you guys. Awesome. I appreciate it, brother. Well, uh, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you in uh, in, in Moab, and uh, don't forget my damn hot sauce. I won't. I won't. I'll be out there. Wheeling. <laughs> and if you see an order for a, a, a TRX, some... some uh, a forged rack come through and it says lightning. And it has a discount code of lightning and you don't accept that, just yeah. you'll know where it came from. Just don't mark it up nope. past normal retail for me. I appreciate that. It'll be full it'll be full retail if not more. I knew sure. it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You know what he calls it. that? <laughs> That's the lightning tax. It's a penalty. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the penalty box. God damn it. Well, he's mad at you because your steering wheel's attached to your truck. <laughs> <He's> jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bernard, you're the best. Thank you. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Good talk to you guys. Thanks. Right. Bye. Right. See you. Bye. His racks are amazing and all, Holman, but I am way more enthusiastic about getting some hot sauce in my mouth. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? The studio is pretty quiet. Yeah, that was yell. That was cool. Just like, like dead that. silence right after yeah. that. Yeah, that was... I uh, think my neighbors heard that one. Nope. I don't. I think you insulated this place well. Good. Yeah. I mean, it'd be funny if they did. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you the, the latest saga of that? Your neighbors. They sold their house. Yeah, you announced that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, I think it was uh, almost 100 grand more than they asked for it. Yeah, and it uh, raised the value of yours. I mean, we can we can hope, but the uh, the whole thing about them uh, <clears throat> well they've got a rent back clause and they're going to be here till August oh. <laughs> just when I thought we were moving uh, no! down the line <laughs> just not turns out not so much gotta yep <laughs> alright well how about some other news some uplifting yes, news yes yes go for it hey Lighting did you hear what you talking about Willis hey my name's not Willis mm. no I have not heard what's up did you hear about uh, all of the uh, people that uh, went to Myrtle Beach Truck Week in South Carolina? Well, no, uh, why what happened? Uh, well, apparently uh, this year's meetup, which happened a few years ago, the Myrtle Beach Police Department cracked down on squatted trucks across town. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, social media had videos of cop cars swarming different meets across yes. Myrtle Beach and. Uh, TikTok posters and Instagram Reels users posted and shared clips of uh, trucks cruising the boardwalk with their grills pointed at the sky, only later to post updates that they were shut down. So um, the show was held uh, after a bill, which you may have uh, heard about, banning squatted trucks in South Carolina, you know, known as the Carolina Squat, uh, passed through the state Senate on February 15th. Other states nearby, like North Carolina and Virginia, have already made the uh, mod illegal citing uh, safety issues. 
So uh, some of the videos apparently uh, showed people getting handcuffs. And, uh, well, some said they were headed to jail for, quote-unquote, being too squatted. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. But uh, apparently the Myrtle Beach Police Department came out and said, whoa, 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 listen. The bill has not been signed into law. It was only signed by one body. So squatted trucks are not yet illegal in South Carolina. So instead, they arrested inside them for other related violations, such as uh, reckless driving and loitering and unsafe vehicles. Those are losers, baby. You don't want nothing to do with those. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, if you uh, are headed there, they're looking for you if you... uh, have too much concrete in your bed or something like that. Don't be a squatted truck driver. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny. Do you know what's funny is I think we do have some listeners that drive squatted 100%. trucks, but stop it. A thousand percent. Stop it. Two hundred percent. You stop it. No, you. it's funny. You. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lightning, did you hear? No. No, 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 no. No. Nope. Kind of interesting. Uh, Ford came up with uh, sort of the layout for you know the future of electric vehicle sales. And a lot of uh, dealer associations said, whoa, 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 pump the brakes there, Ford. So apparently Ford has adapted its EV dealer certification plans and uh, gave some dealers the option to opt out. Uh, There will be an option to enroll down the line. uh, But a Ford spokesperson uh, gave the quote, it is important that dealers have the option to do what they believe is best for their business and their customers for the 24 to 26 period. As we continue to scale our EV volumes, our second enrollment period will open up for 27 to 29. Um, Ford said it's Model E EV certification plans. It said uh, 1,920 dealers signed up to participate, uh, but uh, apparently the number of participating dealers dropped by 1.5% to 1,891, making a total of 29 dealers that said, nah, not going to do it. Interesting. I uh, I, w- I wonder why. Do you suppose they're just uh, they're not behind EV, or they they don't have the staff? Maybe, or... maybe, maybe all that. Maybe they're somewhere uh, you know remote where they don't have EV infrastructure to charge the vehicles. Right. Maybe they don't have the flooring space to keep EVs if their customers are you know not into that sort of thing. Uh, I can imagine a lot of people and dealers maybe in rural communities EV is not a thing there yet. You know they're like nah my that's not my customer base. I I shouldn't be forced into this. Hey Lightning, did you hear? No, I did not. Speaking of EVs, here's a uh, another story of your beloved do we Tesla Cybertruck. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do we have to do more EV like this? Li- literally, you're the guy EV. who has a hundred dollars on deposit. Care. Like people are just like they're going to mm-hmm. think that we're EV homers all of a sudden. Uh, Tesla Cybertruck corners like a champ. Musk says it may top the Model Y. So uh, Elon Musk uh, replied to a video showing the Cybertruck's rear wheel steering. Uh, apparently, a spy video. Somebody saw it on the road. And uh, he basically said, yeah, this thing is uh, a few months away from initial production. They're starting to be seen out there. And, and he's starting to talk about how well it drives and how well it handles. It's going to. I mean, it's all electronic. And I'm sure it's going to do a lot of things really well. Hmm. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. Nope. Finally, uh, you have what you've always wanted. 12-inch penis? I was talking about a black plate with white writing. But not in California. No. No, it's where, Tennessee or somewhere? Another thing you can't have. (laughs) (laughs) Burn on me. Oh, so good. Uh, Colorado is uh, issuing uh, the license plate that you want. 
Well, that's great for them. You're not a, you're not happy about I'm that. I'm super stoked for them. Colorado revived. My brother will be excited because he lives in Three Evergreen. Classic place from its own history: a red, blue, and the new lightning personal favorite, black. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, there's probably more California black plates I with white writing than there. I but... Tesla today, who did the the wrap, you know, the vinyl wrap on its plate, mm-hmm. and went with a black plate mm-hmm. and maroon yeah, letters. You're just asking for it. What? At what? Least, at least it wasn't black letters. I, if I'm a cop, I'm pulling him over just because the guy's a dick. Yeah, like I mean, he's don't, flaunting I, that. Just flaunt. Come on, don't make it harder for the cop to read. If you're gonna choose a color, make it lime green or something that at least he can read. Now you're just begging. You're like, please pull me over because I'm a douche. Okay. I mean, what <laughs> lighting did you hear? How about no? Nope. Jeep uh, has teased a few vehicles that I'm going to get a chance to see next week. Ooh, and do tell, do tell. The concepts for the Easter Safari. So they teased, uh, well, Magneto 3.0. So this is the electric? Yep. All right. And so it'll be interesting to see what they've done to it because uh, last year they went all out with big axles and big power and made it crazy. I don't even know what 3.0 is going to be. That sounds insane. And I've driven Magneto in both forms. I've heard that the new Dana 1000 axles are uh, are going to come on this one. Yeah. They hold all the horse torques. Right. All right, so there's the uh, Wrangler Magneto 3.0, so that could be kind of cool. It looks like one of the drawings was of a uh, Cherokee or Wagoneer, a vintage one. So be uh, that, I think they're also playing with the electric drivetrain on that. By the way, I'm seeing a lot of Wagoneers on the road all of a sudden. Like, for some reason, just all of a sudden, Wagoneers. Yeah. Yeah, they're all over the place. And they are spendy. Mm. Like, that is not an inexpensive SUV. They are definitely, uh, definitely spendy. Uh, There also appears to be a uh, Gladiator with a bunch of uh, Jeep performance parts in another uh, teaser that was dropped. And there is what appeared to be some sort of Wrangler two-door stretched into a pickup truck looking thing. What? So uh should be pretty fun. Every year, uh, Jeep's design team has fun with the uh, Easter Jeep Safari concepts. And uh, just like in years past, I'm going to be uh, joining the Jeep brand on a very special ride that's invite only with uh, the head of uh, Jeep, Jim Morrison. And we're going to drive the concepts over some uh, pretty gnarly trails. I have two requests because you're going to be with the man, Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. All right. First one, please, for the love of all that is holy... Mm-hmm. Keep the microphone out of the wind. Um, That's number one. That doesn't really work, but okay. Well, then roll the windows up. There aren't windows on a topless doorless Jeep. (sighs) Number two, Mm -hmm. please ask Jim Mm -hmm. how long they're going to keep the three liter diesel in the Gladiator. Uh, he's probably not going to tell me. Please ask him anyway. I mean, he might tell me, but uh, then I can't tell you. Then tell me privately... So I know... I, all right, let me fill you in. At least another year. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you struggling with this? I want to know beyond that. Can you tell me beyond that? Uh, I cannot tell you more than that. Please? Hmm? Can't tell you. Can't tell you. All I can tell you is I've got these really interesting pictures that if were you were If you worked at a company that made... Mm-hmm. Intake systems. What you're asking is for me to divulge privileged information that I have spent decades forming relationships and trust 
so that you can come to market with a product one month before everybody else? No, there's a few others on the market. And we are we're we're wrestling with the fact that there's relative low production numbers. But mm-hmm. if they went for a few more years, it would it would make I sense. I wouldn't imagine a few more years is in the tank. Mm. I would imagine one, maybe two would be my uneducated guess. Okay. Just me guessing. Right. Well, you're not making my decision any easier. Well, uh, maybe I can make you happy with some listener emails. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. The music's running out. Are you going to hand these things out or what? All right, if you don't mind, I'll start this. Uh, frontier spotting is subject line. Whoa, 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 whoa. I definitely mind. But I'm going to let you do it anyway. Uh, thank you. Well, as the owner of the company, I have to uh, listen to what you say, don't I? You know what's funny is uh, I was having a meeting today ooh, with our friend Victor at ID Agency. Oh, Victor's an awesome dude. Yeah, he uh, he said something about uh, he wanted you, he wanted me to make you give him a shoulder massage. Wait, what? And I told him that- There's no way he said that. Yeah. No. And, I, and I told him that I could make you do that because you work for me and then he He laughed. didn't say that. It's not meeting. something that I know Victor pretty well. Mm-hmm. I've known him for like 20 years. He wouldn't say that. You don't know the context. It was funny though. <laughs> okay, we all what? giggled in the room. Why did why shoulder yeah, massage? I mean, it's, it's, there was a ongoing conversation, and you got injected, injected, inserted. I hope way. I was yeah. neither injected nor inserted. <laughs> this is getting weird. Frontier spotting subject line from Chuck Davis. Hey, I saw this uh, cool frontier today. Send me a sticker, and I will display it on my 2014 Silverado. Thank you. And I realize. Uh, it has an off-center crooked steering wheel, you bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did he really say you bastard? No, I added that. Oh. That's from uh, Chuck Davis. And look at that. Brand spanking new Frontier in his photos. And Chuck, I have already mailed you a sticker. By the time you hear this, it might be in your mailbox. Oh, listen to you. I'm getting cocky. <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting some. <laughs> All right, got an email called uh, Frontier Spotting Number 1 from, uh, well, Brand Bike Nut, BH. I don't know. That's, well, that's why, why number one? Like, he it, wasn't first. So he takes a picture, and it's of a Titan, and he says, Nissan, yes. Frontier, no. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so then he sends another email, and it says, Frontier Spotting number two. And it's an older one, and it says, Nissan, yes. Frontier, yes. 2022 plus? No. <laughs> I suck at this game. It doesn't have to be a 22 plus. We never said it had any particular year. The new ones are hard to come by here in rural Michigan. I mean, listen, we wanted you to take a picture of a new one, but it doesn't have to be. Then he sends another email. Nissan, yes. Frontier, yes. 2022 plus, yes. I finally found one. Pick taken from my 2001 Freightliner. Uh, looks like a FI-112 HD. It would have been easier to spot the most ultimate truck of all time, the Honda Ridgeline. <laughs> and he says, uh, if you're sending out stickers, here's his address. So anyway, uh, he did. He, I don't know who his name is. He's just sending funny emails, which... Well, I, we need your name and funny. your address. Oh, got or... his, his address is a number three. It's in the file. Oh, it is? But I just don't have his name. Got it. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Frontier uh, sighting from David Rasmussen. And uh, here I am in the middle of nowhere, USA, literally typing into the Google machine, thinking there's 
only one known frontier in my cozy little town owned by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Then I turned back onto the highway and boom, a brand new Pro 4X with paper plates right in front of me. I can't make this up. One of now three frontiers that I know of up here. It's hard to get away from the big three up here when you have to drive uh, four plus hours to get to a Nissan dealer. But I remember you guys saying that they would bring it up to you for a test drive. I may have to test that. And now uh, I learned that uh, David is up in Montana talking about the uh, the big three. So it's great. There's frontiers up in Montana. All right. Got another one here. Uh, frontier through the windshield says, high weight and whole ass. <laughs> High weight and whole ass? Or HT weight. What would that be? Hot weight? Are you hot, hot weight? weight? I, I, sure. Hot weight. Lightning. Hot yeah. whole ass. I don't know. Move on, please. All right. It says, to Holman's Huddle Hut, <clears throat> Podshed, I write you both while I sit on one of my office chairs, the toilet, <laughs> let you know I've enclosed a picture of one of the new frontiers that I tend to see many times over the course of my day. This was taken in Knoxville as I headed home for the day after running my Max Sleeper pulling a Tinker Vac trailer from a run in Whitesburg, Kentucky. Oh, yes. I did say Mack truck. Although I'm not the owner since I'm a company driver for now, I do take it home daily, and it's been with me now going on two years. Sadly, it's an automatic and uses gear buttons, but it gets the job done for what I do. I'm about to have my LLC be official, and I'll be running my own business to hopefully one day include my own rig, which will definitely be back to what I'm used to being in an 18-speed or 13-speed at least. I do, however, currently own four Rams, a 22 Classic Ram 1500, uh, regular cab short box, 5.7 Hemi, solely because I owned a side-by-side I never used and said, F this, and traded for this truck. Then I bought my wife a 22 Ram 1500, new body, 5.7 Hemi, which she loves, a 21 Ram 3500, 6.7 HO Dually 4x4. I ordered spec to be my starting rig for my company, and then an old 86 Power Ram 318 4x4, regular cab, Short box I pulled off a farm in Alabama that used to pull horses for the farmer and his wife. Plan to build a badass rig with it and keep the patina to put our company info on and take the local car shows we hold monthly during the better weather months and pass out swag for the brand. Anyway, this clearly has been a long email, and I guess it's time to wipe. So I'll end. It might be too much information. Yeah, TMI. Uh, so I'll end what I started uh, for the sticker grab into uh, what's now a TSP review by saying I love the content. Heard all the episodes and wish you all the best for the new endeavors. Finnegan's Yeah Buddy, and most certainly, five stars. Yeah, buddy. Five-star review! Five stars! And that is a, uh, respectfully, from Miles Shoe Minshew from uh, Pikeville, Tennessee. He also wants an XXL, if possible, and a large first son, but we know our uh, track record of doing No, that. but I have already sent him stickers, so there's stickers Great. on the way there, buddy. Awesome. Uh, hey, fellas. Here's a Frontier spotted from the cab of my Freightliner Classic XL. I'll send my address if you actually send stickers, LOL. You could also send a large T-shirt. <laughs> Not happening. Hey, you guys want to talk fuel economy? My big rig gets four to five miles per gallon pulling 140,000 pounds. Hey, mine gets that pulling none. None. That's from Lars. Lars, uh... God, you know What's what? What's our buddy Lars doing? Yeah, I have not sent one to Saskatchewan He's in, yet. Uh, Canada, yeah. So I am going to put this in my folder over here. All right. Okay, you're up. All right, got one here that says, uh, got a lot to cover here from our friend Seth Anderson, who's a regular uh, writer. He says, hey, J- uh, hey, Jaboobly and Fruit Pants. <laughs> Why? Why? Why do I get to be Fruit Pants? <laughs> oh, it must be the uh, banana... First of all, no, I laughed out loud. I called you. I called you. I know. I'm trying to correct the record. Oh, God, First of all, I laughed out loud when Holman said he wanted the right Twix because he didn't like anything on the left at the end of the last show. 
I was wondering how many people might pick up on that and then giggle. Well, Hopefully so more than one. here's what pisses me off. Oh, boy. About 60% of you listen to the very end of the show. Mm-hmm. It's 40%, you don't, I leave a freaking yeah. nugget. You bone out at some point. I leave, there's, there's an Easter egg. Not every episode, but damn near all of them. And, uh, I call it an Easter egg, but there's always a nugget. There's a nugget. And it's not the kind of nugget the last no, one. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Let me keep reading yeah. here. Second, Holman's sleeping arrangement while camping sounds spectacular, but he left out a very important component, the pillow. On what do you rest your balding yet hairy head when your body is on a bed of clouds? <laughs> also, with your snoring, getting a sleep study for sleep apnea would probably be a good idea. How, how does he know he snored? That's... That's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, the pillow. I bring two pillows from home because I have to have my head propped up to be comfortable. And so I've got two older pillows that are just my camping pillows. So those go with me. There's nothing special about them, but I like having a big old regular bed pillow to lay my yeah. balding yet hairy head on. I, I, uh, I bring pillows as well when I camp. Uh, also, he uh, is taking umbrance with me on my uh, my comment about Chicago pizza. It says, uh, third... Chicago does suck for lots of reasons. Taxes and cost of living being near the top, as I'm sure you SoCal natives can relate to. But pizza is not one of them. There is plenty of good pizza, and the locals rarely eat deep dish. Native Chicagoans mostly eat thin crust, with the difference being it's cut into squares instead of traditional slices, which is a Midwest thing. Now, I would argue that that's Detroit pizza. I, I so, don't I, I tap out I don't so know. I don't I don't see that as Chicago pizza I see that as Detroit pizza and I see the tomato cake as Chicago pizza but whatever it says the unusual cut is based on the history of the thin crust which started as a salty bar snack to encourage people to stay longer and drink more here's an article backing me up and there are plenty more if you look for them so, okay right, that's interesting I appreciate when our listeners can uh, divulge a nugget of knowledge that can make us sound uh, smarter at our next uh, you know armchair sit. He says, uh, lastly, here is a picture of a new Nissan Frontier in the wild weather of Chicago in March. Hashtag Frontier Spotting. Thanks for all your work, guys. Love the podcast. Been listening since, like, the second month after seeing an ad for it in Truck nice. Trend. R.I.P. Went through the back catalog at the time and haven't missed an episode since. In fact, I've been listening since you were actually sending out T-shirts to people that mailed you. <laughs> and I wear regularly. Hashtag Everything Matters. Hashtag OG Yeah Buddy. And that's from Seth Anderson. Thanks for watching. And remember, everything matters. All right, uh, yeah, I was driving down the San Luis Obispo and spotted these two last-gen frontiers still being used for work. Talking like that. I know they aren't new, but hope it counts. Thanks, Peter, from Morgan Hill, California. What, that's, why would you? making it sound different, I don't know. You think they might find that offensive? What? Lightning and Holman, I hope it's not too late to submit my hashtag Frontier Spotting picture attached as a picture of a super sweet Nissan Frontier Pro 4X in green. I snagged this picture from a 2018 Ram 2500 Cummins. The G is silent. Before you give me a hard time about my tow mirrors being flipped out, I must mention that I am actually towing my 30-foot Weekend Warrior toy hauler out to Glamis when I took this picture. By the way, I just checked out the Truck Show Podcast website, thought that a reader's ride section may be pretty cool, just like they used to do in the old print magazines. She liked that idea. Although we're not going to do it because we have no bandwidth to actually produce that section. Uh, put pictures up or do what, nope. we, what we should do is just suck down a social feed. Nope. And just have it on there. No. That's a module you can get on the website. That's, I'm not doing it. Uh, I have attached a few pictures of my project truck, which is a 72 GMC K2500. I've already swapped in a built 6 liter LS, now a 408 stroker, and built 4 L80E tranny. 
I am building this truck myself with the help of family and friends along the way. We're doing everything, even down to the paint ourselves. I hope to get to keep it as my six-year-old daughter's already calling dibs on the truck. And he sends some pictures, and that thing is uh, way cool. He says, anyways, great show. Look forward to listening to it every week. And five stars. Five star review. Five stars. That's from Albert Allen of Norco, California. So he's uh, practically neighbors with our friend Bernard. Nice. Frontier spotting from Rich Humphreys. What happened to the printer? Why is this in one point type? Do you have a magnifying glass? I'm going to. Would you oh like me to read this? I'm going to try it. Here we go. Oh, boy. I know these don't count as they are at the dealer, but look how beautiful they are from the dash of my 17 Ram 1500. Doesn't matter the make, trucks just look good in the snow. If you decide this is worthy of a TSP sticker, here's my address. And he lives in Ontario, Canada. Thanks for the great content. Every single week, my coworkers laugh at me while I sing the jingles. That is from uh, Rich Humphreys. Rich, thank you very much for uh, sending the photo. All right, got one last one here. And this is from Philip Faust. Says, uh, hey, guys, a little update on the Toyota I wrote about. It's currently back to stock, but throwing around the idea of dumping it without cutting any inner body panels. It had four-inch spindles and a three-inch Fabtech lift. Loving the podcast, but I think the shed should be named the Truck Shack or Truck Show Shack. Five stars. And uh, here's my address for stickers, LOL. And that's uh, PJ Faust from Hemet, California. And he sends us uh, all sorts of pictures of oh my. his How many pages do you have? Toyota like 20 here. Pages. And, and he's going to drop it, isn't he? But none of a frontier. So sorry, uh, get nothing. You get nothing. Good day, sir. Write us back. Give me your address. I'll send you stickers. I don't, he, his address is right here. Oh, it is? I just don't think that he uh, he played the rules right. But he is a, uh, a good listener. So, yes. Okay. I'll send you some TSP stickers. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. If you've got a frontier spotting, a frontier sighting, send it to us. Take a photo from your truck of the frontier. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The truck show. The truck show. The truck show. Oh, and we want to hear from you, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, 657-205-6105 is the five-star hotline on our socials, at LBC Lighting, at Sean P. Holman, at Truck Show Podcast. You can email me, Holman, at truckshowpodcast.com. You can email Lighting Wait, wait, did you almost forget who you were? at truckshowpodcast.com. There's so many ways, uh, but we basically only read the Truck Show Podcast at Gmail. So That's not true. That I read mine. Are you not reading the Holman at truckshowpodcast.com? No, I use that for business, and then I use Truck Show Podcast for other stuff. I've had a dozen... You guys, at least a dozen of you, have emailed lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. Mostly talking smack about Holman, which is funny. All right. You want to get into it? All <laughs> no, right. If no, you want to talk smack, send uh, smack talking oh, about lightning I'm, to I'm Holman kidding, at truckshowpodcast.com. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Uh-huh. Yeah, you just open it. You just asked for it. You just want Pandora's box to I slap you right in the face. just kidding. And people love you. And people are going to send me emails now to Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. Which is funny. All right, uh, we have to thank our friends over at Nissan who are going to be with us for another year. So thank you, Nissan, for supporting the Truck Show Podcast. We really appreciate everything that you've done to uh, keep the show going. And uh, we want you, if you're in the market for a pickup truck, head on to your local Nissan dealer or go to NissanUSA.com where you can build and price a new Frontier, a Titan, a Titan XD. Of course, the Titans have the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And uh, there's no better company that uh, has supported uh, the Truck Show Podcast than our friends over at Nissan. Except for maybe Banks coming in second. Mr. Gail Banks, we want to thank you for your patented Ram Air rear differential cover, keeping our rear ends cool. To find yours, go you to Banks. after your Lightner uh, hot pepper sauce? I, we're going to need it big time. You think you could make a 
pair of billet uh, underwear that has like the <laughs> cooling uh, fins on the back for post for, Bernard's for uh, your, lightener uh, in a bottle. Yeah, for your anus. <laughs> It's Sorry. Always about the button with you. <laughs> right in the middle of a sponsor read. Well done, Lightning. Carry on. Go to bankspower.com and get your Ram Air rear differential cover for your Ram, your GM truck, your Ford. And soon to be your Dana 80. Soon to be your Dana 80. And this is where Holman thanks our newest partner on the Truck Show podcast. Our newest returning partner on the Truck Show podcast. Oh, yeah. Bill Stein Shocks. Happy to have them. I've got them on my vehicle. I use them. I believe in them. It's a great product. Whether you've got a stock vehicle that just has blown out shocks, you need them replaced, or you want a performance shock, or you've got a lifted vehicle and you need a better shock, Bilstein is the original innovator of monotube shocks. Those guys have been providing performance suspension for a very long time. And whether you've got towing needs, off-roading needs, or just something for your daily driver, Bilstein has you covered. Head over to BilsteinUS.com and choose the shock that's right for you. And if you need help navigating the crazy world of search engine optimization, or you just want to place a Facebook ad, reach out to our friends at Full Moon Digital. You'll find them at fullmoondigital.com. All right. Well, uh, glad to see that we got through episode 13. I, uh, I, I hope that we can clean it up a bit for the next one. At least this one's in the can. Speaking of can, I got to go take a big old... The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast. Hello, Truck Show Podcast listeners. This is Alice, the voice of reason. It has come to my attention that Lightning and Holman did not survive the future. Tragically, they were turned into gelatinous goo during the time jump. Oh, wait a moment. I'm just getting some news from the president of podcasting. Oh no. Lightning and Holman survived and will be back next week for another all-new episode. Well that just sucks.